Good evening. I may have asked this before. I, I sometimes forget what I've said up here before and what I haven't. Anybody ever used to listen to the old uh, Through the Bible radio program, J. Vernon McGee? Anybody ever heard that on the radio? Yeah, when I was a new Christian, I found that show. And uh, I used to play that at work. You know, I, I worked a lot of construction jobs back then. And uh, the uh, you know, I used to announce it'd come on a certain time every day. I'd say, hey, guys, Dr. McGee's on. I'd turn the radio up, and I'd get all kinds of moans and groans, people rolling their eyes and so forth. But... Um, but hey, it's turned into a good witnessing tool. Amen. You know, there's a there's a proverb. I forget uh, exactly how it words it, but it says basically that fools can't keep their mouth closed. They they just basically have to air their opinions. And I sure got a lot of opinions on that. But uh, hey, it gives you an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. But uh, anyway, he on his his program he used to refer to the the three epistles of John. You know, the, uh, not the gospels, but first, second, third John. Uh, you know, most Bibles will use like Roman numeral eyes for first, second, third John. He used to refer to him as one-eyed John, two-eyed John, and three-eyed John. I always thought that was kind of funny, but we'll get our text from the little book of two-eyed John tonight. <clears throat> Just, we'll read a few verses here, starting in verse 1. It says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from, the God, uh, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And he, in these few short verses right here, he mentions uh, the word truth five times and the word love four times. So I think we could safely say then that the theme of this little book is going to be uh, truth and love. And these, these two things are, are many times presented as being in some kind of perpetual conflict with each other. But as, as we're going to see, I, I don't think the, the conflict is as big as it's sometimes made out to be. I think it, it, uh, it stems from a, a lack of understanding about what these things are. You know, truth, you get these, these, uh, these Ivy League folks that sit around in universities and they come up with all sorts of, of definitions for it. You know, they, they even have whole studies on the subject. I think they call it epistemology. You know, what is truth, you know? And they come up with all these fancy definitions. And uh, the reason for that is that they're trying to define it without God and without the Bible, which is impossible. So for those of us you know, that are not uh, ivory tower folks, those of us with common sense, truth is, is just that which corresponds to reality, or even at a more basic level, truth is what proceeds from God himself, okay? So that truth, then, is not very hard for us to understand what it is, and, and, but sometimes I think that the misunderstanding comes uh, with the word love here. And I'm not going to, to belabor the point. I know we've, we've talked about it many times from up here about the world's uh, messed up, skewed versions of what love is. The, the Sodomite movement has their little slogans, the, you know, love is love and all these cute little things like that. And we, we know that's messed up. But this book, as we're going to see here, is, is written for us. Okay? We need to be checking our conception of love too. Okay? Now he writes in verse 1, he says, the elder unto the elect lady and her children. Now, a lot of times, you know, in the Bible, God will make something really actually happened, and God will use that as an object lesson for us in the Bible. So when he, he addresses the book to the elect lady, uh, whether he's writing to an actual 
you know, an actual woman, okay, or whether this represents the church is maybe in question. Somebody who's smarter than I am maybe can explain this to me. I found it interesting in the, in the, the book of Three-Eyed John, a page over, he says, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And then he goes on to name other people, Diotrephes and, and uh, Demetrius and others. But in this book, he doesn't. He just says it's to the elect lady. And I find it interesting that we are the bride of Christ. We're, we're an elect lady of God, I think. It says in verse 13, the very end of this book, the children of thy elect sister greet thee. I believe he's, he's talking from his sister church, but be that as it may, it doesn't really matter. These things apply to us, okay? I believe that it's representative of the church. So he says, all they that, uh, that have uh, known the truth. He, he says, I love in the truth, not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. You know, God's people love God's people, right? If you look in uh, one-eyed John, chapter 4, verse, uh, let's see here. I'm sorry, verse, uh, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. He says, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And without going into a lengthy talk about what that means, we used to teach a Bible study at the VA in Pennsylvania for the Drug and Alcohol Rehab Center. We had this one guy. He was a recovering drug addict. And, you know, he didn't know a lot about the Bible, but we were reading in Revelation where it says, you know, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And he said, he said I don't know what the woes are, but I don't want them, right? I thought that was pretty good. It's pretty smart, right? And without going into to, to, to detail what it means to abide in death, I don't want that. But that's what you get if you don't love your brother, right? Verse 2, let's flip back to here. It says, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. And when I, when I read this verse, I, I, did, I realized, I think this little book sometimes gets skipped over because it's so, it's so short and we don't, we don't talk about it sometimes. There is a whole lot in here to unpack, much more than we have time for tonight. But where he says that he's writing for the truth's sake. We were doing our family Bible reading, um, you know, a little while ago, and uh, six-year-old Laura, we, we came across this word, and it was in a different passage. She said, Daddy, what's this word sake mean? And I was like, well, honey, that means... that." What does it mean anyway? I did, you know, it's one of those words, you know, kind of know what it means, but it's hard to define. So I did what every Christian does. They go to the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, right? And I looked it up. It says it means final cause and purpose, or rather the purpose of obtaining. Then he gives an example. He says, I open the window for the sake of air, that is to obtain it, for the purpose of obtaining air. So he says he's writing for the truth's sake to obtain then something that already dwelleth in us. And at first, that seems kind of bizarre, but then when you think about it, that's the way it is sometimes, isn't it? If you're saved, you've got the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling inside of you, but do you always act as if that's so? I don't. You you can ask anybody in here probably, right? We can have a greater fullness of the Spirit, right? So we're to listen to John for the truth's sake. You know, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth, you know, right before he was crucified. And I, I, was, I was reading in preparation for this, I was looking at Matthew Henry's commentary on that, and it appears that scholars are actually divided when, when uh, Pilate asked what is truth, you know, was he, was he actually inquiring of Jesus what truth was, he, he wanted to know, or was he more, was he scoffing, was he like, well, what is truth anyway, nobody knows, you know. But regardless of, of whether he was scoffing or not, the point is he didn't wait around for an answer. Right? He did not let Jesus answer the question for him when he could have. Because I found at least three things that Jesus Christ calls truth in the New Testament. My favorite is John fourteen six, one of my favorite witnessing verses. Uh, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's a, a great way to sing for it. It shuts down every other religion in the world, doesn't it? Yeah. He says in, in uh, John 17, 17, he says, Thy word is truth, the Bible, right? And then in uh, John 16, 13, he talks about the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is truth, okay? Back in uh, 1 John chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 6, he says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. I looked up this word spirit also in the 1828 dictionary. I was surprised to find 21 different definitions of the word spirit. So it was a challenge trying to find the one that I thought most applied to this passage. I think it was where he talks about the spirit being influences of the Holy Spirit. But here he says there's a spirit of truth, but there's also a spirit of error out there. The influences of the devil, the antichrist spirit that's in the world today, right? You look at the world, the world is messed up every area of life, pretty much, right? Why? Because they follow a spirit of error. Why is that? Because they heareth not the Bible, it says in 1 John. But back in 2, uh, yeah, 2 John, verse 3, it says, Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Sometimes it's easy to gloss over the introductions that they give in these New Testament letters, um, but there's a, there's a whole lot here. Do you want grace and mercy from God the Father, peace? He says it's connected then with truth and love. In verses 4 and 5, we'll move on. It says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received the commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that... We, uh, that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. He says, this is not a new commandment. You already knew this, okay? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the old commandment to love one another. Why does he do that? Well, look at the person sitting next to you. <laughs> That's why, right? We've got a whole room for, full of imperfect people here tonight. And we need to be reminded to do that sometimes. I, I'm not a pastor and never have been, but I've been told from pastors that one of the most saddening, disheartening things that they, they can deal with is people in their flock arguing, backbiting, not loving each other, not getting along. And, and I, could, I could easily see that. You know, and I've, I've, you know, it probably goes on in every church. I've seen some here, you know, people that are uh, not getting along for, for one reason or another. It's disheartening. And, and I'm, I'm no better than anybody else. You know, I, can, I can get mad at somebody just the same as you can. We need to be reminded uh, to love our brother, not to live in death, right? We've got to be here to do that. As, as, as we were talking about earlier, you know, it's, uh, I know I've made the point before, like, you know, well, I can, I can worship God from the golf course Sunday morning. Yeah, but you can't love your brother from the golf course, right? Okay. And God hates it. You know, it, says, it talks, the Bible talks about how God hates uh, gossip. He hates spreading discord among brethren. We need to just knock it off, amen? So verse 6. He says, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So here then we see a complete refutation of all the world's definitions of love and, and everything again. He says, as you heard from the beginning, this is basic, right? I was watching a show one time. Uh, this, man, this was years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago. I don't even think they would probably let anything like this on TV nowadays. But they were interviewing a police chief from New York City or somewhere like that, and 
uh, he was talking about, you know, walking onto a crime scene where somebody had been murdered, and, uh, and he said that, you know, you can always tell when the people involved were sodomites. And the, the, the interviewer asked, well, you know, how, how would you know that? And he said, well, it's, it's the level of brutality. He said nine times out of ten, these are the types of murders where they've been stabbed 97 times and dismembered and all that sort of thing. He said I, nine times out of ten, he said that it's, it's, we know right off the bat it's sodomites involved whenever that happens. And I thought that was pretty interesting, but really it makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, you've you got these, these folks that can't control their, themselves. They can't control their, what do you expect when they turn on each other. And on top of that, I think they probably go into a demonic frenzy, too. That's another topic maybe for another day. Anyhow, if you look at Romans chapter 13, verse 10, I'll turn there real quick. He says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And then in verse, uh, we'll, go, we'll move on then. I know I didn't read this, this verse to begin with because he changes gears a little bit in verse 7. He says, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So immediately after telling us about love and everything, he does something that most of the world would be considered extremely unloving. He calls somebody names, right? He's calling them deceivers and antichrists. John, that's not very politically correct, right? But it's the truth. It's the truth. And why does he issue this warning after talking about these things, truth and love, I think one major reason is because these are two areas that these deceivers are going to, are going to go after. They're going to distort the truth, and they're going to distort an idea, or the, the right idea about what love is. Right? They're going to use those things to trick God's people. They don't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, really. You'll find every, you know, John is very big, if you read his, his letters, he's very big on you know, what you believe about Jesus Christ will tell you a whole lot. If you're witnessing to somebody, you can you just you find out what they believe about Jesus Christ. That'll tell you an awful lot right off the bat, right there. Amen. And it's going to be more important, you know, as time goes on. It says in Second Timothy, it says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Right. So then in verse eight, he says, "Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Don't lose what you've worked for." You know, I, I, could this be a year where we would, we would lose things in this church that we've, we've worked hard for? I'd hate to see that. You know, the whole COVID mess has, has, has messed things up enough. I'd hate to see us lose anything that we've, that we've worked for. He says, and I'm going to go on and read verse 9 also. He says, Whosoever transgresseth, transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Look at, at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, real quick. It, it's, you want to see the gospel in a nutshell? It's right there in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. There it is. There's the gospel in a nutshell, right there. This is the doctrine of Christ that John tells us in Second John to abide in. This is the truth, and it demonstrates the love of God. You know, and we, we got, want to watch, you know, Peter talks about, you know, not... Uh, for you know, people that when you when you don't walk in truth, don't walk in God's commandments, you can forget that you were washed of your old sins. We don't want to be there. 
You know, and this, this ties in a lot to what Brother Jimmy was talking about. I was, I was also reading in the, in the Matthew Henry commentary. Um, he, he brought up a real interesting point that I don't know that I'd ever thought much about before. He brought up the fact that Judas, um, you know, after the crucifixion, displayed at least some level of repentance, right? He, he, he took the money back to the Pharisees and, and threw it back at them at their feet, didn't want it anymore. He felt bad enough about the whole thing to run out and hang himself. Okay? So he got the truth part. He, he understood that he, would, that he had sinned. He understood that he was responsible for putting the Son of God to death, but he failed to see the love of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Amen? He saw the truth, but not the love. So to present the truth and without love is to present it in arrogance. Right? We saw that, that walking in, in love is, is obeying God's commandments, right? Which one of us has... has uh, has completely kept God's commandments. Not me, right? You know that, right? So how are you going to how are we going to, you know, give the truth to somebody without loving them also whenever we have failed ourselves, right? The problems arise and we want to give the truth from a position of pride. But the Bible says to consider your own ways lest you also be tempted. It says if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall, right? We got to like Jesus said, you know, remove the beam out of our own eye first, right? So why is it, is it so easy sometimes to dislike people? You ever think about that? Like, I, I've, I've seen, uh, I've read something years ago that they say that uh, first impressions, you know, that it's like if, if, I don't remember the number, but it's, if you make a good first impression on somebody, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's much harder if you make a bad first impression on somebody to raise their opinion of you. It's like 10 times harder or something than it is to go the other way. It's, it's just, uh, that's the way we are. You know, and we ought not to be that way in the church. We're not supposed to lord it over each other like they do out there in the world, right? I'm going to, there's, let me, let me go to, to Romans chapter 13 again, verse 11. It says, in that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. That's a, a good, um, that's a good New Year's verse, I think. Every year it gets a little bit closer to the Lord coming back. We're a year closer than we were last year talking about the same kind of stuff, right? So I'm going to read this next verse too. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We should walk in the truth. We should walk in love. This is the truth, you know. I, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll close with just a little story. I, I, um, I was working on one of, those, one of those jobs I was talking about where this, uh, there was a, a very tall lanky black man that was a painter and he used to we called him I don't know what his real name was we called him tweet because he just never shut up he just constantly you know you'd walk out the room he'd still be blah blah blah, just talking you know and one day I realized like hey I've not I've not witnessed to this this guy yet so I I said uh, it was around Christmas time so I thought of this story I said I said hey tweet do you believe the Christmas story and he goes huh he had this real high-pitched voice you know I said you know the Christmas story do do you believe it you know what do you mean man I said, you know, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, wise men come. He goes, oh, 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 you mean the greatest story ever told. And I was like, well, yeah, okay, you can call it that if you want to. And he just started on one of his rants. He said, now, I didn't know what you mean, man. If you would have said the greatest story ever told, then I would have known what she was talking about. I said, said, okay. Tweet, I said, do you believe in the greatest story ever told? And he goes, yeah, I, 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 I go along with it. I go along with it. And, you know, at that, it really kind of saddened me a little bit, but I thought, you know, this is very typical 
of, of the, the average American person today, the average American citizen. They go along with it for the most part, right? But that doesn't, that's not the kind of, of attitude we ought to have if this really is the truth, right? We shouldn't just go along with it, right? We ought to proclaim it to somebody this year. Amen. God bless you all this year. Thanks for listening and amen.